It's time for part two of Sibling Rivalry, The Prodigal Orphans, on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. I'm so grateful that you're joining me again this week as I continue a series that I've entitled Sibling Rivalry, because I believe that we are going through a season of restoration. Uh, not only in family, uh, but also specifically in brothers and sisters um, and siblings and the importance of that relationship. Um, This is happening, um, this series, during beautiful Minnesota weather, and uh, I'm anxious to get back outside and enjoy the day and enjoy this time and season here in Minnesota. Also uh, paying close attention to record-breaking gas prices. And so as we look back on some of these podcasts, and maybe someday I'll re-listen to some of these, I'll remember back to, I guess the average in the nation is $4.65. There are some areas apparently in California that are $6.06 per gallon for regular gasoline. (laughs) That is fairly staggering. President Biden unfortunately came out today and said that this is an important transition for our country as if putting a positive spin on $6.06 for gasoline. I'm not so sure that's going to fly with the American people. Uh, However, um, I do believe that we have another resource that has not been tapped into, and that's our siblings. Our siblings are such an important resource for us because we don't really get to choose them. I believe that they're really God-ordained and God-appointed relationships. And there, are, there is nobody else on the planet that has the same upbringing, same genetics, same outlook, um, same often worldview than our siblings do. And we have been placed together in an important relationship that actually strengthens each other, cares for each other. And what we learned last week in our podcast actually watches over and protects life. When it was uttered, am I my brother's keeper by Cain? Uh, the answer from heaven was, yes, you are. You are his shamar. And it's an important understanding that we have in this relationship that we carry for one another, that we are actually appointed here on this earth to protect our siblings and to be the one that is there for them, to encourage them. So I'm doing a three-part series. The first was about Cain and Abel, the first siblings on the planet. Um, I'm going to fast forward into the New Testament today about a pair of siblings that I like to call the prodigal orphans. This is Jesus giving a parable. um, And when he's telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like, he's telling us what, what the father's reign, rule, and realm looks like. And when Jesus came and said, I I declare the Father, I have declared him, I'm telling you who he is like. 
He uses these stories to explain what the Father's realm and kingdom is like so that we want to go through the door. Jesus was the door and the way. And the question is the door and the way to what? He was the door and the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way and the truth and the life. And so we can enter into the Father's relationship through the door, which is Jesus. And he came to tell us what it's like so that we would want to. I just believe the Spirit revealed to me that the church today is dancing at the door. Now, that's a noble thing because if Jesus is the door, then we ought to celebrate him every day of our life and celebrate his sacrifice and what he did on the cross. But what I'm concerned about is that we aren't celebrating the fullness of what he did on the cross. And the fullness of what he did on the cross was to actually make a way to rent the veil of the temple so that we could actually walk into the Holy of Holies and commune with the Father personally and intimately. That's what I believe he purchased. Not only our salvation, not only forgiveness from our sins, which is all great and and worth to be celebrated, so don't misunderstand me, but I believe there's even a greater depth. And he was telling these stories so that we would know what the heart of the Father is, so that we would want to enter into his kingdom and be his children. We were born as his children in Eden. And I think it's an important step to understand that we aren't just metaphorically his children. Like he didn't use the word father and children just to give us some example of what his relationship was like. No, he actually created us as his kids. He actually made us in his image. We actually carry his DNA. We are actually his children here on this earth. And he actually set a plan in place. And I've talked about this many times on this podcast when he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. We talked a little bit about kibosh and subduing at last podcast. Well, that was part of the mandate that was given to us. We were given the mandate to have dominion here on this earth and to reproduce the father's culture that he created for us in Eden all over the face of the earth. And he would use the backbone. He would use the template of family to actually make that happen. And we know in Genesis chapter three, when the first married couple sinned and and rebelled and turned their back on the father's original plan, that the enemy has tried to convince us from that day that we have been orphaned, separated from a loving father. Well, I would like to rattle your theology a little bit, if that's what you believe, and to try to convince you that the Father has never left us. Even when they sinned in the garden, the first thing he did was to go to them. And we always have this picture of the Father with his arms crossed and in an an angry position. But because of what Jesus did, because of what the door did, he actually created a way for us, as it says in John chapter 1, He gave us the right to become children of God, which means that we have the right to stay orphaned, separated from the Father, with the mindset that we are no longer worthy to become his children because of sin and separation. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. And it says in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. It's like he couldn't wait any longer to send forth his son to save us, to open the door, to once again return us to right relationship with the Father. 
You know, when it says in Romans that, that we have been given the adoption as sons, the word adoption, we think with our Western mindset, is that we were orphaned. We actually have no access to a family or to a father, but then we have been adopted into a family. But the word adoption in that sense in Romans actually means restoring us to the, our rightful place as sons and daughters. See, the enemy has lied to us and continues to lie to us. And in the story I'm about to read, there is an inherent lie that needs to be overcome uh, with these two famous siblings. And the right relationship that is brought back to not only our relationship with a father as children, but to each other as siblings. So Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like in the parable of what we always call the prodigal son. But I believe that it's actually about two sons, but it's actually mostly about a father. And I believe that they were orphaned. They were separated from the knowing and the understanding of their rightful place as sons. And I believe this is going to help us tremendously as we look to restoring relationships and strengthening relationships with brothers and sisters. So let's start the story. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he says, How my father, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, my friends, this is a, a sinister statement to the highest degree. Because the enemy wants to convince us, wants to convince me, and wants to convince you that because of your sin, because of what you have offended the father with, that you are no longer worthy to be called a son or a daughter, but you can be a servant in his house. And I, I am concerned that even today in the pulpits of churches across America, that this is actually being taught as a noble position, that we come into his house through the door as a servant. Now, serving and servitude is not a bad thing, and it's it's a kingdom principle where, where we take our heart and we position ourselves before each other and serve each other. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is an identity and a position of servant that is quite different than being a son or a daughter. But this man in this story, he sees himself as no more than a servant. He sees himself as a servant in his father's house would be certainly better off than he is now. And so many people enter the kingdom with that mindset. 
But Jesus came to declare a father and to show us what the father's heart and attitude is towards us. But while he was still a long way off, I love that line, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is an incredible passage. There's so much more that can be unpacked here. I have been taught that Jewish fathers didn't run. (laughs) That's not something they did. It was undignified unless they were in battle. When you heard the term gird up your loins, where men would actually tuck up their kind of their skirt or their dress that they were wearing and wrap it around them so that they could run. That was actually a a place of battle, um, but it was never something that a father would do as a very undignified thing for him to do. And so when he sees him a far way off, he doesn't stand there with his arms crossed waiting for his son to come and grovel to him as so many of us picture the father to be. But he undignifiedly (laughs) runs to him when he sees him far off. He sees him. He knows the way that he walks. He knows that it's him. He's been longing for him to return. And he runs to him and he wraps his arms around him and kisses him. And then the son begins the rehearsed speech. And he says, he clears his throat and he says, the son says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no worthy, longer worthy to be called your son. And the father stops him. And he says to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. My friends, this might mess with your theology or what you think about the father. But the Father in heaven, the one who sent his Son to rescue us, the one who watched his Son obediently go to the cross and die for us, the Father who endowed him with power to be raised from the dead and be the resurrected Christ, that Father, he is in a partying mood. (laughs) He's in a partying mood. Don't you get it what the story is about? The story is about a father who sees that you have returned, to see that there is a pathway to return, not as a slave, not as a servant, but as a son or a daughter. And the father in heaven is rejoicing. He's celebrating. He is restoring your rightful place as a son and daughter, the true word of adoption. He's restoring you to who you were created to be. That is the attitude. That's why he's telling this parable. It's not really a story about the son. It's a story about the father and his heart towards us. And we are the ones who have squandered our inheritance. We are the one through riotous living and sinful activities have separated ourselves and have received the lie that we're no longer to be called sons. And he is the one who's throwing the cloak on our back and the ring on our finger. And he's throwing us a party. My friends, this should rock our world and change our positioning towards others. But there's another character in this story. The sibling. And it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he, heard, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And they answered, your brother. Remember last week we talked about your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. So did the older brother go and celebrate? Nope. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, he didn't say my brother, he said the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. And the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because, listen to this, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. My friends, it's easy to see that this is the story of humanity. This is the story of siblings who both had issues with a father. The one who squandered what a father's inheritance would have been to him and the other who felt like he needed to perform for the father's affection. And neither of them had sought the intimacy that was found in the actual home, the actual place, the inside of the door where a father is found. And one feels disempowered and disenfranchised and has lost his inheritance and becomes restored. And the other feels jealous and, and it feels like there's been an injustice and that there's no way that this brother of the son of yours <laughs> should be restored. And my friends, that is at the heart of sibling rivalry. See, when we have an orphaned spirit, we begin to look to other people to try to meet a need that only a father can meet. And so we position ourselves, we jockey ourselves for affection for the father. We try to perform for him. We get a mindset that if we work harder or we do more for him, that he would love us more. Or we have a mindset that we're never worthy enough anyway. And so we might as well be a servant in the house. Both of these are an orphan to spirit. Both of these are separated from what a father actually created for us. The key word to the older son, he says, all the, everything that I have is yours. There is an inheritance that's there. This son had access to everything that the father had, but he felt like he needed to perform and he needed to fall in line instead of seek intimacy with his father. Both of these are orphaned. And the key, the key to this message, the key to this podcast is the answer to any broken relationship, any sibling broken relationship is a father. The answer is a father. When we cleave to a father, when we enter back into his home, when he puts the ring on our finger and the cloak on our back, and we're restored to the identity as sons and as daughters, then we can actually turn towards our siblings and we can celebrate them. This older son had an opportunity to go in and to dance. 
But instead, he crossed his arms and said, why? Why does he get special favor after he performed so poorly? And how often do we do that? I don't think it's hard for us to to make the step that we as children of God, we are brothers and sisters to everyone, to all creation. All humans are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so often we reject them and we judge them and, and we turn away from them because of their performance, what they look like, what they've, how they've behaved, and, and, and we reject them. But how much more, let's make this personal, how much more for your actual brother and sister? Because of the intimacy of relationship, we see all of the good and the bad and the ugly in sibling relationships. We know the buttons to push. We know the buttons that they've pushed. And and there's been some hurt and pain throughout those relationships. The answer isn't to just create better communication. The answer isn't to just cut off your, your siblings once they're old enough to just be out of the house and refuse to talk to them any further. That's not the answer. The answer is found in a loving father who brings the household back and restores us. If you have a broken relationship with a sibling, the answer is a father. Find the father's heart. Have him have him and his Holy Spirit remove that orphaned place in you that sees anger and judgment Have him remove that place in you that feels like you're only worthy to become a servant and let him restore sonship to your heart. Cleave to a father and let him him nurture you and, and, and fulfill that broken, empty place that's inside of you that only a father can fill since the beginning of time. Resist the enemy and put him under your feet. Kabosh the enemy who wants to convince you that you aren't worthy to be called a son. As soon as this podcast is over and you've listened to this and something has stirred in your spirit, the enemy is going to try to convince you that, that yeah, Dr. Johnny just doesn't understand you. If he understood who you were, he wouldn't say. Other people might be qualified, but you're not qualified. That's what the enemy does. He lies to us and he tries to steal our identity. He's a one-trick pony. All he has since the beginning of time is to try to steal our identity as sons and daughters. And the main mission, in my opinion, that Jesus came for was to declare a father to an orphaned world. Jesus didn't come to replace the father. He came to restore our place in the father. He's that good. And his blood paid that much. And so my friends, in last week's podcast, I laid out the importance of siblings, the shamar of sibling relationships, where we keep and protect each other. In this podcast, I want to convey the identity that's found in sibling relationships. When we are not orphaned, when we know and appreciate and have received our sonship, then we can turn to brothers and sisters, whether they're our spiritual brothers and sisters or our natural brothers and sisters, and we can celebrate them. We can cheer them on. We can be their support. We can be their shamar. It's through identity that actually empowers us to let it happen. 
My friends, I love you so much. I wrote a book called Restoring the Power of Family. And this teaching is, is in this book about the orphaned spirit. And make no mistake about it, it's a lie. It's not true. And Jesus came through these stories to reveal the lie and to replace it with his truth. You can find that book on, at gofam.org, gofam.org. You can order that book there or on Amazon. If you feel like you need to jump into this, if you, if you feel like you have identity issues and perhaps this orphan spirit has found its way into your spirit, then I encourage you to seek healing, wisdom, and teaching in this regard. We are culture setters and we need all of the resources that we have. And I believe that family is the initial, the initial representation the initial representation of resource that the Father actually gave us. And there is no plan B. We're it. And we won't pursue restoration unless we know it's important. And that's my heart in this series entitled Sibling Rivalry, is to empower families to once again package the resources that have been given to us so that we get to go and change the world. So let's do that now. Let's go together to set and shape the culture. <laughs>